Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the show of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment for the voiceless traveler. I am your co-host, Michael Gordon-Bennett, and I am joined as always by my man from Barbados via the Big Apple, my co-host, Dave Cumberbatch. Dave, what is happening? Well, what's happening now is that uh, a lot of the destinations are beginning, some of the destinations are beginning to open with travel. There's, most of them are expected to open up in June. So that should be a very interesting conversation with our, with our guest, Johnson, John Rose. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, I've been doing a lot of homework on the openings of these uh, different destinations, and um, it, it's going to be such a um, hodgepodge of openings and things like that, that sometimes I worry that the traveler may get a little bit confused about what's open and how to proceed and what's not. But then again, that's what we're here for. Most certainly. Uh, one of the questions uh, we probably need to ask is, what happens when a traveler gets to a foreign destination and uh, he's subjected to uh, screening? If he discovers that he has COVID, what happens? That was an unanswered question from our, you know, uh, so... I, I, you know what, that is a very much an unanswered question. And, um, you know, a lot of places around the world still don't have isolation chambers at their airports. So let's play this out for a minute. Let's say you're gone. You've already flown to wherever your destination is. You've been in either another state or another country for a week. Then you get back on the plane to come home and they test you and discover that they're not going to let you board the plane because you got COVID while you were at that destination. What happens to you? Well, isn't there a difference uh, between whether you're an American citizen or not? Yes, that, but a lot of that will be at the hands of the airlines themselves in terms of whether they're going to let you board their aircraft in the first place. Yeah, but I guess those are, those are a number of the unanswered questions that, that uh, our guests will give us some uh, insights. Yeah, I mean, he'll be able to tell us how the Caribbean is handling that. And speaking of that, today's show is almost entirely focused on the Caribbean and what you should expect as a tourist as they begin to reopen some, and I emphasize some locales, not all of them. And as we'll say repeatedly throughout this episode and into the foreseeable future, coronavirus controls everything. We're not in control. We may think we are, but we're not. And the situation is fluid. So everything that we talk about here on TripCast 360 today could change tomorrow. So we urge you to do your homework. We'll give you the basics, but you need to do your own homework as well, because uh, uh, some of these destinations may open, then they'll turn around and have an outbreak and they may close again. That's true. Uh, you know, and that's that's particularly concerning because while international travel bans and borders, border closures are likely to remain in place for several months, uh, what happens if you go to that destination, as in the previous question, and you encounter uh, some of these uh, issues, some of these problems? Uh, it's, it's a question that I don't yet have the answer. Well, if you find the answer before the rest of us share it, because honestly, I don't think anybody else knows the answer either. Like, for example, you can't go to Canada right now. Their border is closed to American citizens. How do you, I, I mean, 
you know, and I think the order is extended through the early part of June before they finally relax those restrictions, you know, but then if, like, for example, if you want to go to Europe, here's another example. You go to Europe right now, some of the European countries are open, but the issue with them is that they're only open to other EU members. They're not open to Americans wanting to go to Europe on vacation just yet. I suspect that just that most of what we'll talk about will probably be would probably be things that wouldn't be in place until maybe June, July. Not at uh, this time. No, I think I think it's too early. And and again, I think everybody's flying by the seat of their pants. They just don't know. And they're trying to figure it out just like you and I are trying to figure it out. So if you know, for those you know, you and I have been in this industry collectively for 50 years and I read about travel and tourism. It's part of our job. It's what we do. And every day we look up something and it changes, you know, 24 hours later. So again, I want to emphasize to everybody that the situation is fluid and uh, just keep in mind that what we may tell you today could be off by time we get off the air. So just be aware. <laughs> of so they just need to be aware of it, you know, and, you know, we'll do our best to update you as best we can. Um, so here we go. And but before we get into today's show, keep in mind, as I said in the intro, our show is for you, the voiceless traveler. And we'd like to hear from you. If you have a vacation experience that happened uh, pre-COVID where you had a great vacation destination, um, we want to hear about your stories. You can just drop us an email at contact at tripcast360.com. Um, write us a little story, if you will, or just tell us about your vacation experience. You might even get to become a guest on our show. So just let us know, send pictures, anything that you think is appropriate that you're not afraid to share with the public. And just please write to us at contact at tripcast360.com. You know, we'll look over your stories, reach out to you. And, and like I said, one day you may be able to get on our show. Yeah. And um, I have a friend who <laughs> I have a friend who lives in Canada and she shared her story with me of she took a vacation to Mexico before the travel ban was implemented, got stuck in Mexico and couldn't get back into her country of birth, which is, which is Canada. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so I would imagine that a number of our, of our listeners maybe just maybe have similar stories. So we encourage you to, to share those stories with us. Yeah, we actually have in a couple of weeks, we actually have uh, one such story coming from a good friend of ours from Costa Rica, who actually lives in Los Angeles most of the year, but uh, she has dual citizenship and she actually got stuck uh, traveling in Mexico and hadn't had to make some really convoluted uh, plans to get back to Los Angeles, get her kids and get back to Costa Rica. So we'll be bringing that story to you in a couple of weeks. And her story is extremely interesting above and beyond just the trials and tribulations of her dealing with COVID. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Are you picking a Mexico? Uh, well, she went to party in Mexico. So, you know, I, I've been to Mexico so many times. I, you know, partying in Mexico go hand in hand. <laughs> so, so for those of you listening to our podcast, by all means, hit that subscribe button and follow us and share us with your friends as well. And also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And be sure to check out our website, tripcast360.com. We update our show every week. And we're looking forward to having you join us and uh, be a part of our family. And definitely got to share those experiences. This show is for the traveler. Again, 
we're going to have a lot of uh, uh, famous people on our show, you know, the athletes and the entertainers and those who travel for a living. But this show is about you and we want those experiences. So please send those to us. And um, we're going to start off today's show with a little travel and entertainment news as we are going to start doing this segment on every single show. And I was doing some research. Dave and I were doing our homework like we do before every show. And I ran across an article in USA Today, and the title of it is, "Will When Will Travel Return? Predictions for Cruises, International Destinations, Tours, and More. And we're going to provide a link to this on our website after today's show so you can find the same story. But it breaks down the, the key areas of travel, and it, and it uh, discusses the likelihood of a rebound and the types of things we should expect once we get um, people start traveling again. And the very first thing on the list, Dave, which I, I think I see why it's on the list, and they say rebound potential is very high, is road trips. The last survey that we looked at, it suggested that road trips will be the first uh, mode of travel. And I can understand that for a number of reasons. You're not on an aircraft. You're not on a, on a cruise ship. You're pretty much isolated with your family. So you have um, less exposure. The challenge in terms of road trips would be if when you get to a specific area that you're going, will you stay in a hotel? If you stay in a hotel, then the, then the challenges that are faced by that, that the hotels are facing will come into play. I also uh, saw another survey where it suggests that the uh, Airbnbs or the bed and breakfasts would be the preferred accommodation. Uh, so there's a lot of unknowns here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the article actually pointed out that there is actually a 650% rise in rental bookings for mobile, mobile homes and trailers uh, in, since early April. Um, that's a significant jump. Um, yeah, and roughly 65% of RV renters want to stay at a national park or a campground in the, in the next three months. That That tells me that people are going to do one thing. They're going to eschew um, uh, airline travel for a while, but they're also anxious to get out and do things closer to home. And they don't want to stay in a hotel. Uh, they don't want to risk that. So you're going to see a lot of, uh, of, of RVs on the road, I suspect, in the next couple of months. And a couple of the other changes, uh, you know, at the campgrounds where a lot of these people may be staying will be, you know, um, removing picnic table benches in certain areas so you're not close to somebody else. Uh, the bathhouses at a lot of these RV places, you know, the facilities will be cleaned and, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, as we saw with the recent reopening of some of the beaches, good luck with some of that social distancing. Challenges all around, challenges all around from the bed and breakfast, the campgrounds. There's going to have to be a lot of uh, 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 things put in place, even for folks who are taking road trips. Oh, absolutely. At the end of the day, and you and I have said this repeatedly on this show, it's about convincing the traveler that they're safe. You have to show them. You have to be able to put things out there that make them feel safe. Obviously, there are still an, an element within the country that are going to ignore anything that has to do with health safety. But, you know, if you're traveling with kids or you have a senior citizen in your family that you're traveling with on some of these road trips, you're going to want to be assured on some level that you're relatively safe. Yeah, and how how about the vacationer that because they can't take international uh, trips, 
might just be doing a road trip for a road trip for the first time. So it's all it's all it's all going to be about their expectations and 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 how all of that is handled. Absolutely. And uh, the second piece in this article that I'm glancing at here had to do with domestic destinations. And they're specifically referring to domestic destinations that require air travel. And a lot of people uh, don't expect air travel to recover at all in the year 2020. I mean, you know, these guys are going out of their way to try to make us feel comfortable. You know, I see the planes flying, you know, near my house here in Las Vegas. And I know just because they've cut down on the number of flights to a particular destination, a lot of these planes are actually full. Um, And, and, you know, I've seen stories that they're requiring some people to wear face masks for those places that have thermal scanners in place. They're checking temperatures. Um, So air travel in and of itself I, I know the article says here that it may not recover until 2021. I think it's going to be longer. Wow. You're just my gut telling me that. I mean, I, I've yeah. talked to enough people, even people inside the travel and tourism industry who do this for a living. I don't see them in mass numbers getting on a plane. You know, I, I'm, I'm faced with the prospect that I may have to get on a plane at the end of next month to go to California for a few days. And um, I, I'm not happy about it. Um, I'm going to try to be very selective about what flight I take. Um, I will be covered just to play it safe, uh, but it, it doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. And um, actually, you know, you're right on target there because the article even says that the CEO of Boeing says their travel may take two or three years to finally rebound. That's a long time. It is. I Think about this. It, I'm only guessing I have not done the homework on this part, but that three-year rebound window is actually longer than it took us to recover from 9-11. I I mean, if if you just put it in perspective, that's a long time. But again, we're dealing with something that is you can't see coming at you in the air. You can't feel it until you get sick. You don't know who's carrying it, even asymptomatic people can get you sick. This is such an unknown that, Uh, Honestly, I don't even want to be talking about COVID. You know, again, when you and I envisioned this show, we were looking for an upbeat, positive travel show, and now we're having to deal with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think there'll be plenty of deals in 2021? Because we know 2020 is literally out of the picture now. But in 2021, do you see the? are, Are you getting the feel that the appetite will be for plenty of deals? Um. When it comes to the airlines, they're a little difficult to gauge because of how they do their pricing. For example, and we're we're actually going to have a a little bit of a discussion with this with our guests coming up. When you travel internationally and there's airlift capacity going in and out of the islands in the Caribbean, and there's only two planes a week, and those planes are full, what's the first thing that's going to happen? Supply and demand dictate you're going to raise those prices. Um, you know, so I, I, I think that's an unknown. Uh, I did hear some stories about people domestically just going out and hoarding some airplane tickets just because they were dirt cheap during the, the, uh, penultimate time during the COVID crisis, which, you know, late May into or late April into early May. But, uh, I, I do think they're going to be deals to, to be had. I just think shoppers are going to have to be very smart about how they go about doing them. 
But I'll tell you, Michael, an interesting uh, observation. I subscribe to a platform called Air Airfare Watch. And, you know, they allow you to put in a criteria in terms of where you want to go, when you want to travel. And they alert you whenever their price changes. And I find that it is no different. The prices, the airline prices, the travel prices are no different than they were before COVID. So I'm, I'm not seeing those deals yet. I think it's going to be difficult to put a lot of deals out there. I mean, think about this. You've got this convergence of a couple of things, especially here in the United States. So many people have lost their job at the uh, time of this recording. We're talking about 30 million Americans who don't have work. You don't have the money to travel. Right. So there's no money to, to travel. So, you know, the the appeal to the traveler will be more along the lines of, those who have managed to maintain some level of income during this this downtime i you know there is going to be pent up demand but it's going to be difficult i, I don't um uh, I, I don't see how the airlines can afford to jack up their prices uh, but at the same time we know at the end of the day they're a revenue making business and they're going to have to figure out some ways to balance revenues with passenger comfort and safety and encouraging them to get back on those planes and a number of them are expected to uh, go to business. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It, it really wouldn't. I mean, look at the consolidation we've seen in the airline industry over the last couple of years uh, without any uh, um, thing to precipitate them going out of you know business or consolidating. 9-11 uh, was obviously the last big event that affected the airlines, but even the recession in 2007, 2008, forced their hand a little bit, but it's still, you know, it's still kind of dicey, but you know, we can talk about this at nauseum. Um, the other thing that the article pointed out, we already discussed international travel a little bit. So I'll save that for our discussion with Johnson is the good old cruise line industry. <laughs> uh, Too soon to predict. Oh man. Oh man. I don't know how they're going to recover. Uh, with that being said, I, I've done my homework on this too. And I see they've got a lot of bookings uh, starting in 2021. Um, I have cruised a lot. I have probably been on at least a dozen. Enjoy I, them. I enjoy the cruise experience for the most part. Although I got to admit, I'm getting to the point in my life where I've taken so many cruises that unless I go to a destination that is um, a place I've never been before, I don't even bother getting off the boat at the destination any longer. I'm probably the cruise industry's worst nightmare when it comes to that. But, um, you know, we went to, where did I go? Uh, I went on a cruise uh, out of Long Beach, California, down to um, uh, Cabo San Lucas, Puerto Vallarta, um, and a couple other West Coast destinations. When we got to Cabo San Lucas, I didn't get off the boat, not because I don't love Cabo San Lucas. I love that place. Actually, we were looking at buying a vacation home there. I didn't get off the boat because I'd just been there two months before. And, you know, so, but, you know, with the cruise line industry kind of getting, you know, I don't want to say they're ground zero because that's an unfair way to characterize what happened to them. But, you know, the cruise line industry, pardon the pun, are going to have to clean up their act. I noticed that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has actually issued a no sale order. So uh, oh, that's, yeah. that, that's the first thing they have to be concerned about. That order, that order has been, been extended to July the 24th. 
Think about that for a minute. So the, the, I don't know when they got shut down. I think they got shut down sometime in late March, early May. So that's four or five months of them not being able to go anywhere. And and I think one of the cruise lines, I think is Norwegian. They're not even relaunching with their full fleet when um, um, August gets here. I think they're going to launch with just five or six ships. And if I'm not mistaken, they got 28 in their fleet. Yeah. And Carnival is planning on sailing in August. <laughs> we're in May. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't, um, I really don't know how they're going to launch. Again, I mean, this is all fluid. I, I, I don't want to be a, 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 you know, a doomsayer here. But at the end of the day, this is so, so fluid. And, uh, you know, summer months are when people want to get out. But this summer's just going to be different. Too many job layoffs, not enough money. Um, you know, I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to put it together as quickly as they think they're going to be able to put it together. Um, and still guarantee, yeah. And still guarantee our safety. Hopefully our guests would be able to share a perspective on that. And speaking of our guests, he is the award-winning communications specialist for the Caribbean tourism organization. He's forged a prolific 30 year career in public relations, journalism, broadcasting, and media training. He's written extensively on issues of interest and concern to the Caribbean region, including tourism. The man, the myth, the legend is here. Johnson, John Rose, welcome to TripCast 360. Oh, thank you very much. I'd, I'd like to suggest that you drop three words, well, two, myth and legend. You know, I, I heard about you, gosh, probably 15 years ago. Um, before I've ever, ever met you. So I've had this uh, um, relationship with you that you have no clue I've even had. Yeah, I, I felt it sometimes, you know. I just <laughs> didn't know where it was coming from. Yeah, every time I went to the region for a conference or whether I went there on vacation and everybody kept talking to me, have you met Johnson? Have you met Johnson? I said, no, not yet. He must be uh, hanging out with Cumberbatch someplace. And I don't know where he is. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's wonderful to know that it's been a long-standing relationship, and let's keep it this way. Uh, you, you got it from me. Uh, I actually wanted to uh, hit you up real fast to kind of break the ice on the conversation. Give us a general overview of Caribbean tourism in this in this uh, COVID world that we're now living in, kind of give us a clue of what's going on and, and, and how you think, see things shaping up going forward. There could be a number of answers to this. One, is there much tourism happening as in visitors coming in and that sort of stuff? And the answer is, is no, because virtually all of the countries, almost every single one of them, has closed its international border. And so if international borders are closed, then flights aren't coming in. So the commercial flights aren't coming in. And if commercial flights aren't coming in, then people aren't coming in. So that's that's one issue here. Uh, if you look at the hotel occupancy, for example, uh, last time I checked with SDR, who's that company that monitors what's happening with the hotels and, and so on, and they do all of this data, it was down to about 5%. And, and a lot of these people have been the frontline workers and people who, who were stuck in the Caribbean and were unable to return home. But a lot of them have been returning home of late. Uh, 
in, in recent days, for example, there were two large flights from Barbados repatriating people to the UK and they went, some of them went on to other parts of Europe. So, so they've been leaving. So in terms of activity, of activity, we are at the stage that almost every other country in the world is. So you're suggesting that uh, the Caribbean has been hit with sort of like a tsunami in the form of the, of of the COVID-19 crisis. Um, you, you, you use the word tsunami. I use the word uh, uh, difficulty, a situation that we're experiencing that we've never seen before. Well, many airlines uh, around the world are currently operating. Uh, actually, many airlines are 100% grounded, and the ones that are flying are, are operating at minimal capacity. That suggests that, that we can expect many casualties as far as the airlines are concerned. And the problem for us in the Caribbean that we're so, we so tourism dependent, um, I actually read something where JetBlue um, actually took a $1 billion uh, uh, loan or grant from the federal government. So if JetBlue goes, which happens to be the largest carrier within our region in the Caribbean, I can see that having a significant impact on, 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 on the region. I mean, any loss of seats will have a, an impact on travel to the Caribbean. The more seats that you've got available seats, better. What we don't know is how airlines and businesses and companies and destinations are going to emerge out of this crisis. We don't know that, but uh, according to IATA, they will be different. You might have smaller carriers, uh, less capacity. You might have a fewer markets that they're flying to, a fewer destinations that they're flying to. We don't know all of this because we're not quite sure how they're going to emerge, what sort of assistance they're going to get, uh, how they are going to remodel themselves. So until we know that, uh, we, we can't have a fair idea of the actual host if you may, COVID impact, uh, the, the, the current is that, as you said, almost every carrier is grounded and those that are flying uh, are looking at about 19, 20% capacity, sometimes a lot less than that. I, I've actually uh, did a little research this morning and I see that there are a couple of uh, uh, countries within the region that are doing... Um, phased openings. The, the first one that I saw in the list that I actually have in front of me is Aruba. And they have a tentative opening of around June 15th. And one of the dynamics that I saw is that Aruba has something called the Aruba Health and Happiness Code. And I guess it's a set, it's kind of like what we have in America when you go to a restaurant and they got a rating system on the wall to let you know that they got an A rating from the health department. Well, it looks like Aruba is going to implement something similar to that in their country as well. Um, and so, you know, Aruba, St. Lucia, I actually, St. Lucia is actually planning on starting earlier. I think they're looking at June 4th and they've got a couple of uh, flights coming from the United States uh, into the area. But one of the things I picked up on, and this actually touches on the airline thing a little bit, is that in St. Lucia, they're actually going to require all the passengers coming in on planes to have face masks. And the, the thing that got my attention was that everybody flying in has to have a negative COVID test 
within 48 hours of when they boarded that aircraft? Well, every one of the Caribbean countries is looking at a phased opening. And phased opening could mean different things to different people, but every one of them is looking at a phased opening. The phased opening of the economy happening in virtually every Caribbean country right now, where people are beginning to go back to work in, in services that are deemed to be essential. And we're seeing more and more on the relaxation of the, of the restrictions happening throughout the Caribbean. Uh, for example, in, in Bermuda, come Thursday, uh, people will be able to go to to dine in and drink out within the rules of course some of these will include uh, the social distancing or physical distancing which will remain in place so different countries in the caribbean are doing phased opening of their own local economies then travel is happening belize for example is looking at beginning anytime now domestic travel now belize can do that because of the size of the country so Belize is looking first at domestic travel, and then it will open up to international travel. And other countries are so, so doing things differently. Uh, a lot of them, as I've said, they're looking towards July as possible dates of, of reopening. So that's happening, uh, and, and the protocols will be critically important. Now, St. Lucia has outlined what its protocols will be, so the protocols, I think, um, will be the key things for all of them, but they all are going to have some sort of health protocols in place. That, that will be no doubt about that. For the most part, outside of essential work, for the most part, people aren't working. So the people you're looking to attract aren't the unemployed per se, would likely be the very high-end people who can afford to spend two, three weeks, four weeks in villas and, and more high-end areas. And so, so that might very well be part of the thinking of this, because at, at this moment, if you look at uh, your stats in, in, in America, what, 30 plus million people since COVID are out of work, who were working before. So I'm not quite sure if, if the, if, you know, well, a week holiday, so there is no week holiday right now. But at, this, but at the same time, Johnson, I'll tell you, I've seen recent surveys that suggest that folks will be comfortable traveling again once there's a vaccine. And a vaccine is at least one year, a year and a half away. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of the surveys. I've, I've seen surveys that suggest that the people are, are eager to travel again. I've seen surveys say, okay, vaccine, absolutely, because that's when I'm most comfortable. But there, there would be a group of people now from all of the, of the, the information that is coming into me who are just proud of being locked inside. They want to get out. I actually agree with you. I, I see a couple of dynamics here that we've never faced before. I do see pent up demand juxtaposed against a lot of people around the world, not only having lost their jobs, a lot of those jobs are never coming back, period. And then you've got the virus issue, which is, you know, at least a year to 18 months away, if then. So you've got all three dynamics working, which is forcing every single country around the world, not just in the Caribbean, 
to figure out new business models to find out those who can afford to come and travel versus those who you just kind of have to, for lack of a better word, walk away from in the short term until they land back on their own feet. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think one of the, the opportunities for the Caribbean is that historically, holidays to the Caribbean has been, you know, people have come here to rejuvenate, to find themselves again, to recuperate whatever maladies that they've been facing in, in their parts of the world. So, if, so we've got that opportunity here to show to the rest of the world that, you know what, you want to recuperate from all of this. Oh, we're waiting for you. You can come, but these are some of the other things that we've put in place. And it's a matter of what do you put in place, the, the word, you know, that I'm, I'm becoming, that's becoming cliche. It's one of those protocols that are being put in place when you get here in the event, something happens. Uh, just to let our audience know, we are actually speaking with Johnson John Rose, and he is actually in Barbados. Am I correct? Very, very so. But, yeah, uh, he, he is actually in Barbados. So if you hear a little latency in the broadcast, that is the only reason. But uh, Johnson's the communications specialist with the Caribbean Tourism Organization. So he brings with him a great deal of knowledge about the region that we hope to tap into and share with our audience. Johnson, you, you touched on what some countries are doing, St. Lucia, uh, St. Kitts and uh, Nevis, etc. But your organization actually started a campaign, the Caribbean Dreaming Campaign. Can you speak to that campaign? Well, here's, here's what happened. Um, we were at that point where we couldn't say to people that the Caribbean is open, come and have a great holiday. But we, we needed to keep that communication with our potential guests and visitors. Uh, therefore, uh, I met together with um, all of the PR agencies representing various countries, communications people in, in, in the destinations, and said, we've got to come up with something. Let's discuss. And, and obviously, lots of ideas came through on during that discussion. And coming out of this was the Caribbean Dreaming Campaign. And basically what it says is, you know what, we in the Caribbean recognize that you can't travel right now. It's not safe for you to travel. We're aware of that. But when the time comes and it is safe again, we'd like to let you know that we're waiting for you. So while you dream of a holiday, this is the best place to come. So we're waiting for you and we'll be ready to welcome you. So we went with that and using the hashtag Caribbean Dreaming, the campaign is still on. We're doing it in various phases. Uh, phase number one with the countries themselves, who a number of them, by the way, were having their own campaigns as well. So they were having individual campaigns and the Caribbean Dreaming then would complement what, what they're doing. And along with the CTO UK chapter, chapter in the United Kingdom, they too are doing part of, the, part of the campaign as well. So they're doing stuff using the same Caribbean Dreaming hashtag. So we're working together. So the countries would post, use the Caribbean Dreaming hashtag. They would share with us. We would post doing that. Now we've gone to that other stage where we've asked select people, and that includes you, Dave and, and Michael, to share some of your the, the many, many images that you've had in the Caribbean. 
your photograph. Um, I was in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I was in this country, that country. I had a wonderful time. Hashtag Caribbean dreaming. Hashtag St. Vincent and the Grenadines dreaming. That's what I think. Because Caribbean dreaming and then the country dreaming. So whichever one. And then the third phase that will come in, in, in a week or so, we're going to ask the general public to give a country. So, so, so that's what it is. So we're keeping the Caribbean foremost in people's minds. We've got to be sensitive to what people are experiencing right now. But at the same time, we know that there are lots of people who just can't wait, as we said earlier, and let them to know when it is safe again, uh, we'll be waiting. Is there a single place that a potential tourist could go to find out which countries are opening and when they'll be available to receive tourism tourists again? Well, what happens is when we get information, the CTO has a website, onecaribbean.org. And so whenever we get information, we share it from these countries. We share it on, on, on this site as well. So if people go there, they will see what's happening now. That doesn't mean that it's current. And with everything there, because as it stands, three countries in the Caribbean, one of which is not a member of the CTO, Aruba isn't. So two of the three countries that have announced that they plan to reopen, there's only three countries that have said they plan to reopen on a particular date. None of the others has confirmed any dates for reopening. So we just wanted to make that clear. Got it. Um, Typically, the summertime is actually the slow time in the Caribbean because too many people are afraid of hurricanes, not understanding that if you go to the southern part of the Caribbean, you're typically outside of a hurricane belt anyway and don't have anything to worry about. But this year is different because you lost a significant amount of your high season because of COVID. Are, are you hearing anything within your organization or your member countries that are talking about maybe launching some sort of extensive outreach slash marketing campaign in their summer months, as opposed to waiting for the traditional high season for you guys, which starts in the fall? Michael, maybe someday soon, you and I and Dave on this podcast, I'm quite willing to return, should have a discussion about hurricanes and the geography of the Caribbean. So, so, so you can get that. But we can understand that if there is a blizzard in New York, it doesn't stop you from traveling to, uh, let me see, Montreal, Canada, or Toronto, Canada, which would be a lot closer than what Barbados would be to Belize, for example. Belize, Barbados would probably be four or five times farther apart than New York and, and Toronto are. So if we begin to, to say it this way, then we understand that if one country is under threat from a storm, it doesn't mean the entire Caribbean is. So maybe someday you and I should have a discussion. This Actually, we're going to talk a little bit about this now because this issue has been a pet peeve of mine going back 50 years. Because you're correct. What you just said about the geography of the Caribbean if it hits one or two islands, the other 40 or so are perfectly okay and safe to travel. But every time... Uh, America- actually, actually, let me, let me condense it even further. If there's a hurricane that's impacting Grand Bahama, 
in the Bahamas, it doesn't mean that Paradise Island and Nassau are being impacted. And that's just the Bahamas. Yeah, uh, and I'm in total agreement with and, you. And, and there are islands in the Bahamas that are much farther apart from each other than, say, Grand Bahama is to Miami. Yes, absolutely. I, I have never understood the dynamic of people running from hurricane season like the world's just going to end. And I think every time the American media says the word hurricane and they show all these images on television, it scares people. But if they just understood the region and the geography, it wouldn't. It, it drives me crazy because I've gone to the Caribbean at any time of the year. It doesn't bother me. If there's a hurricane in Puerto Rico, I'll go someplace else. I'm fine. And here's, here's, here's the point about hurricanes. And, and that now, more than ever in, in the past, we have a lot of time to plan because we know they want at least a week in advance, sometimes longer, but something is developing. And while we may not have a precise track, we have a fair idea of where it might go and preparations begin. So it gives us time to begin uh, the preparation. Secondly, wherever you go in the Caribbean, if you're staying at a particular hotel or property of where they will all have some sort of plan for, for the hurricane season, that will include if you want to return home ahead of it, because you've got that much time, we, we work with you to do that. If you want to stay, then we've got safety areas that we're, we're putting together. So all of these things happen as, as we plan for that. And, and, and we use the experience that we've had. I mean, just a few days ago, I had a webinar with six of the countries that were hit by hurricanes in 2017. And again, within that, the six in the Bahamas with Hurricane Dorian. And the experience that they've taken from, from this and how they've improved things. And Friends and Martin, for example, was saying to us, listen, our building codes since Hurricane Irma in 2017 now require every building, not just hotels and other properties for visitors, but every building to have a safety room. So, so, so we're working with that. I want to say one other thing about um, travel to the Caribbean during what used to be called the slow season is that a number of our countries have found ways to attract visitors. And hence, a lot of our festivals are happening during that period. Don't forget, we do have a lot of people who travel for the music festivals or the carnivals that are happening in, in the different parts of the Caribbean. And we do get a lot of people who are interested who, who travel for that during that period as well. So, so there is that, that sort of travel there. What do you think air fairs will be like when all of this is over? I mean, social distancing means fewer seats sold. So will air fares go higher? There's been a drop in oil prices. So will air fares go lower? Destinations need tourism, eh? So I believe people will still travel. What are your thoughts? You're asking me to be this guy who can look way into the future. Yes, I am. The complicated minds of a complicated sector of the travel aviation sector, because we, we never truly understand, you know, 
fairs and, and, and all of that. Again, it's very difficult to tell because if there is a great demand, do you, do you then raise your, your fares or do you lower your fares? Um, if that's a popular destination that you really want to go to, but people aren't going, do you raise or do you lower? So it's, it's and if, if the airlines are getting assistance, because I had a discussion recently with Peter Serder of IATA, who's saying that the airlines are already asking governments around the world to assist them to do certain things to help make it easier for them to travel when this thing is over. Of lowering taxes in some cases um, in, in the US, some sort of financial assistance that is not a bailout, so help them with loans and so on. If, if the airlines are able to get out stronger, it's very, very difficult to say whether uh, fears are going to be attractive, at least in the, in the initial stages. May I ask you to look into your crystal ball and um... Will Caribbean tourism emerge stronger after this COVID scourge? I have no doubt that because after every challenge that we've faced in the Caribbean, we've emerged better, stronger. Because we learned the lessons. You've heard it said over and over again how dependent the Caribbean is on tourism. So we take this thing rather seriously, don't we? So whenever there is some challenge that we face, we look at it, we, we see how we can improve things. Uh, for example, right now, um, properties are taking the opportunity during this period to improve the quality, to do work. Countries are training tourism workers or retraining tourism workers. Uh, so we're improving the product. We're, we're learning lessons and we're applying lessons learned from others, as I said to you, based on the discussion that I had with these countries that were impacted by, by the storms, that they're applying some of the lessons to what's going on right now. So I have no doubt that based on that experience, the history that we've had, whenever we faced a hurdle, we've emerged a lot better and stronger, that based on that, I have little to no doubt that we will emerge of this a lot better and stronger as tourism destinations. I have, as we wrap this up, I have one final question for you. And this is your chance to make everybody who does not live in the Caribbean jealous. I want you to look outside the window since I can see you kind of got a little backdrop of outdoorism in, behind you. And I want you to tell everybody around the world who's listening to this podcast, who will ever listen to this podcast years from now. This is May 23rd, I believe. I want you to look outside and tell everybody what the weather's like. Well, the beauty of Barbados and... Um, uh, uh, what they should expect when uh, we finally do get to start traveling there again. Okay, so let me begin by saying I don't want to limit this to Barbados. So I'll talk about the beauty of the Caribbean because today I was able to speak to several people in different parts of the Caribbean and the reports are all the same. I want to say it with a very straight face. We were, this is audio only. There is no camera, unfortunately, so you can't zoom into my face with a very, very straight face. I'd like to say 
uh, we're recording this thing on the 23rd of May. It is snowing terribly in Barbados. <laughs> and the rest of the Caribbean. Snowing with sunshine. But that would not have been the truth, would it? Because the weather is absolutely brilliant. I was checking, it was 86 degrees. And, and, and Dave, I'm learning to speak your language now. I usually tell him 26 uh, and 28 and stuff. But, you know, for, for your purposes, Dave. So, you know, I'm giving a little and I'm taking a, a, a bit. Uh, it was 86 degrees today. Sunny, bright, blue skies. The water is absolutely inviting tempting you i mean you just wish you could go just let yourself loose in there that's what is happening and it is only may it will get better so, so actually so you will get better when we hang up so so now is a good time you you know once we open up again and we say you know hey you can come in the protocols are in place. You can fly. I mean, all of this that you held in there because you just want it to be out. You want it to be out. I mean, we provide the perfect backdrop for all of this. And, and here's the thing. The people who want to do it in different ways, the people who want to go to the beach, that's all right. But there are those who just want to walk it out, hike it out, do other things. You can. Because we, we, because of the diversity of the Caribbean, there is a country, a destination in the Caribbean that will do for you virtually anything you want to do in the tropics. That sounds like a great way to wrap up the show. He is Johnson John Rose, the communications specialist for the Caribbean Tourism Organization. Johnson, thanks for joining Dave and I on TripCast 360. And... Um, when we do see each other again, drinks are on you. Oh, absolutely. Um, what was your feeling, Dave? I mean, what should a traveler expect in the early stages of some of the islands reopening? I think uh, the travelers have the same concerns as I have. They want to make sure that, that it's safe. They want to make sure that when they get there, um, if they get ill, they can get proper health care. Uh, what they'll expect? I, I well, by the time they some some of the islands are already opening up their beaches, uh, they can expect maybe to go to the beach. Some of the islands, uh, uh, while they open up, they have social distance orders mm -hmm. in place. So the only congregation between groups can be within families. They can expect that. They still can expect uh, friendly folks from the Caribbean, you know, who who are willing to welcome them. Uh, the Caribbean is so dependent on travel and, and tourism that I'm certain that they'll still be welcomed with uh, open arms. I think so. And I think some of the island nations are actually starting to do little things to uh, make the traveler feel welcome. For example, Aruba, um, you know, they're going to open somewhere between June 15th and July 1st. And they actually have something called the Aruba Health and Happiness Code. It's a seal of approval from their health department. And it's going to be displayed in businesses to let you as the traveler know that um, they adhere to high standards of health and safety and, and things of that sort, social distancing. 
And it's going to be interesting to see how comfortable that makes the traveler. Um, I, I'm going to be curious to see how it works. I mean, you know, they're one of the earlier opening islands, so that'll be interesting to see if some of the countries in the Caribbean follow suit. I think the concern or maybe the disappointment for a traveler would be the unexpected. If the travelers are alerted somewhere, somehow public announcements uh, may be in there, uh, as the destinations put the news out there that this is what to expect, even though it might be an inconvenience. I don't think that the traveler will be unhappy. Now, if the traveler gets there and they're surprised in a negative way, I think that will have an impact on whether a traveler would want to go back to that destination. That's, that, that's true. And I think we have to be aware of the, of that. And I think the island, you know, one of the things about the Caribbean in every country that I've ever been to down there, and it's most of them, the people are exceedingly friendly. Uh, they will do anything they can to help you feel comfortable at their destination. And I don't expect that to change, you know, with this COVID nonsense. Um, one of the island nations that is opening up soon, I believe by June 4th, uh, is St. Lucia. St. Lucia. Yeah, they actually have a, a I read the, uh, you know, yesterday, they actually have a couple of flights coming from the U.S. only. And I want to emphasize, this isn't opening it up to European travel yet from the U.S. only. Um, and one of the requirements that they have is that you have to have proof of a negative COVID test within 48 hours of boarding the flight. Uh, and everybody on the plane has to wear a mask. Think about that for a minute. You go out and get a COVID test. You've had one and you go out and get that COVID test and it takes three or four days to get the results. You've already blown the 48 hour window. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so this is going to be something that I think we need to be aware of, but at the same time, um, we can't be too afraid of it. I mean, they're going to have to make an adjustment at the end of the day. They really are. They can't expect people as long as it takes the, if the COVID test results came in right on the spot or, you know, 24 hours later, that's one thing. But here in the United States, it takes a week or more sometimes to get the results. And uh, to wrap up our show, um, as I mentioned in our first podcast last week, we typically like to have fun during this last segment. We are still efforting a mixologist to appear with us to teach you guys how to make a few uh, drinks. They no longer have to be virtual drinks. They can be the real thing. And uh, so we would like to have people on who who can have a joke. I, heck, I'm even I'm not even opposed to getting a comedian on the show, Dave, to you know go out with a few laughs, provided he keeps our jokes PG-13. Well, I'm certain you don't want to use me as a fill-in. <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. This this doesn't necessarily have to be PG-13. We're on a podcast. You know, uh, we, we can say what we want, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I want to make sure that we're appealing to everybody. So, no, I, I at some point we will start uh, lightening up the way we close our show. And uh, so if there is a comedian listening out there who's heard this, uh, you you should feel free to reach out to us. We'll take you too. Um, That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll take anybody who can make us laugh because at the end of the day, laughter is what's going to laughter and a little bit of common sense is what's going to get us through COVID. COVID. But even after you know we uh, get this behind us, I still want people to laugh and have fun at the end of our show. I don't want them to go away thinking that everything is a negative because of a virus. That's right. And we call that on the lighter side. <laughs> so we're going to wrap it here. And again, before we get um, too far down the road, I want to remind you once again, 
If you have a great travel story, uh, one that you participated in, and you want to either uh, send it to us, uh, you can do that at contact at tripcast360.com. Keep in mind that uh, we'll also have some of you as guests on our podcast, and you can have a little fun with Dave and I. And um, uh, so if you're comfortable sharing, again, that email address is contact at tripcast360.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. You know, I'm all excited about hearing what you, you have and share, sharing your experiences. That's what we're looking for. Amen. We want to do it. We want to do it in a fun way as well. There you go. And also, don't forget to follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And um, you can go to our website, tripcast360.com, where this episode will be posted under the episodes tab at the top of the page if you want to share it with anybody. And by all means, if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, and, and I want to touch on this newsletter briefly because we hadn't had a chance to touch on it yet. We're eventually going to have travel deals on our show uh, with some of the suppliers out there who are after your business. And they won't always be travel deals. Some of them will be merchandise deals. Uh, some of them will be restaurants and things like that. So, um, you know, you should sign up for that newsletter and uh, we would like to get you on. So just go to our website, tripcast360.com and sign up for our newsletter. Yeah. Uh, so have a little fun with us, please. We, we invite you, you know, Dave and I, we, we love conversing, but we don't want to hear our own voice all the time. That's right. So I don't uh, want to hear, I, I don't want to hear Michael all the time. I, I want to hear from, I want to hear from you, the listener. <laughs> Thanks buddy. All right. So for Dave, this is Michael. We'll see you next week on another edition of Tripcast 360. And just remember, uh, be safe out there. That's right. Stay safe. Thank you.